Ladies and gentlemen, with your ear pug plugs, dang it. <laughs> with your ear pugs, look at their snouts. Ear pugs? <laughs> ear pugs. <laughs> now, when you're walking on the street, you have ear pugs in yeah. your ear. They're like, <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, and start all, right, all over again. Here we go, all over. Late nights. Late nights. Late nights with Trav and Lowe's. With Trav and Lowe's. Late nights with Trav and Lowe's. Welcome, everyone, to another late night with Trav and Lowe's. My name is Trav, and right beside me is my dear friend Lowe's. Hello. That's you can tell that's him because he just said hello. Am I sitting on the left or am I sitting on the right? You'll never know because it's a <laughs> podcast. <laughs> All right, so, um, Los, how are you, man? I'm good. You look good. Thank you. I, I saw a picture of you today with, like, this mustache that couldn't quit. <laughs> you know, I try to do my mustache sometimes with, like, a curly wax and some. Yeah. I, I think I'm, like, really conservative because <laughs> it doesn't last long for me. Like, I don't wax it enough or something, but it'll fall out in 10 minutes. Bro, that wax, I'll like, I'll put it on in the morning, I'll go to sleep, and I'll wake up, and it's still on point. How much do you put on? I put on just a I'll have fingertip. To, I'll have to show you. I put I put on a lot. Maybe like the equivalent of a quarter's area. I think I could learn a lot beard wise from you. <laughs> <laughs> My beard is is circumstantial. <laughs> I think your beard is more intentional than mine. It is. Yeah. My, my beard's purposeful. Mine is not. It, it just <laughs> happened. <laughs> um, all right. So let me tell you another thing that happened. Uh, I I took a job at Google to this week, not today, but this week. No way. So yeah, th- well, I took a job a little while ago, but this has been my first week. And it's just been so intense. You seem for you me. S- you I, seem tired. I am tired. <laughs> yeah, partially because I've been polyphasic sleeping without getting my proper naps in because oh. I've been like in huge meetings and rallies and because so they have this orientation thing that's pretty intensive. Yeah, for for nooglers is what they a noogler. You never heard that? Never like, heard. Why of would you? Ha- why, why would, would you? I? Right. I don't work at Google. Right, but I'm they, a no- anybody nogler. who's <laughs> nogler. <laughs> <laughs> nogler. I'm a nogler. Uh, so yeah, new Googlers are called nooglers, and they have like this pretty intensive like uh, orientation. Orient is, I guess it'd be like an orientation because you do do kind of like fill out this form, but also it's like like presentation after presentation, yeah. and rally kind of things, workshops, like everything to get you kind of like in the mood of in like the mode of how to how to be, be a contributor at google mm-hmm. it's really intense and and i'm not one for meetings i've never no. been one for meetings no I'm, you're not so i i was really drained <laughs> from, from it but we had uh, a lot of interesting things this week and and one of the things i want to share with you is i just i just found it so profoundly interesting um so let me share an experience okay we had this uh workshop which is um we were talking about innovation and, and uh, discovery and learning and being able to take ideas and turn them into practical applications. Right. And uh, so we had a, we're doing like design thinking, you know, mm-hmm. and then we had this one challenge, uh, a challenge statement, which is like, you know, uh, improve a feature on YouTube, specifically helping uh, people to watch more okay. YouTube. Okay. And we had to go out and find somebody and interview them and kind of like uh, find out what their problems were and to tease out of them like possible solutions. Okay. So <clears throat> the, uh, the the candidates that we ended up interviewing, and, and like we had a whole, by the way, there's a whole list of like other things, right? We could have like done kind of any product from YouTube which, or from Google, which is like a yeah big, big list. Yeah. 
but I chose YouTube because I know something about YouTube, uh, right? And, uh, and like there was like a, a group of people, and I kind of like had a little bit of authority here yeah. because like I I have like first and second hand experience, That's right? Um, being and serving creators, uh, so I was like, kind of like. I felt empowered, right? right? I felt like I knew what I was talking about. Yeah. Right, okay. So it turned out that the two people that we were interviewing um, were uh, were foreign. They were from India. Okay. And during the course of the interviews, I learned so much about the Indian ex- YouTube experience. Okay. Which yeah. is nothing like the American YouTube experience. Yeah, it, sh- it shouldn't be. Why would it, right? Yeah. But like, I, I, what I'm, what I'm trying to illustrate here is that, like, my cockiness or my uh, confidence, my assuredness in the knowledge that I had to, you know, bring about a, a really killer solution in the end was just flattened because I had be- no domain knowledge. Everything that I thought I knew, I didn't know. Your cup was full. <laughs> that, that's a dear listener that's a, a reference to a previous podcast uh, what's the title of that one uh i don't know empty your cup empty your em- mind empty your cup empty your mind or something like uh, that shuriha shuhari shuhari yeah shuhari yeah okay well um yeah basically so the the solution that we ended up with and and i mean we followed the guidelines of this you know creative lab kind of thing that we did and we yeah. ended up with a f- in my opinion, a fantastic solution. Right. And that was because we follow this really great process. Okay. But the end result was nowhere near what my <laughs> initial assumptions were, were going to be. Right. Yeah. We had, I had to take in an account of things like, you know, um, the legalese in India didn't allow for people to purchase things like Netflix or Hulu. Like the, people don't have that in, in India. It's interesting because of li- like legal limitations. Mm-hmm. Um, so, in other words, people are not used to paying for online streaming. Right. It's not It's not common. We're here. Pretty much it's normal. It literally is foreign. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. And um, it, and then another thing is that, that people in uh, in India have a lot different internet experience in, t- in terms of connectivity and reliability of their bandwidth and things like Slower. that. Slower? slower and, and cuts out a lot more okay. like they, they have problems with uh, buffering all the time he says okay. uh, YouTube is, is not what it is here um, and a few other issues and, and so our goals were to like you know increase watch time and convert people into paying subscribers of YouTube but how would we do that if people number one are not used to paying for any uh, serv- uh, video services over there and uh, number two like watch time is hard when you can't get the video player to work. Yeah, yeah. Right? So we had to like come up with interesting solutions. I, th- I thought they were pretty good, but um, but the point I want to illustrate is that I came to the table with thinking that I knew something, mm. and left the table realizing that the things that I thought I knew were so off base for my for the specific client that I was supposed to work with. Right. That I really had to do a lot of work to unravel the the presuppositions that I came armed with. Yeah. Right. Okay. Dis- I had to disarm myself. Yeah. So <clears throat> what I want to talk about tonight is that process of being able to unravel those um, biases that you come to the table with at any time. And, okay. and we call them unconscious biases because we don't, we're not, you're not always aware of the biases that you have. Um, biases are created and they're reinforced by our environments and our experiences. Our minds are, our minds are constantly um, processing information and oftentimes 
you know, they're, wi- they're without our, our conscious awareness, right? You just, you, you see information, you, you store it in the back of your mind mm-hmm. and, and you pull it up later. So like when you're moving fast and you have a lack of data of how to approach a, a certain problem, this is when those biases come into play. Right. Um, they fill in the gaps of the things you don't know with assumptions. Yes. Um, and this, I mean, this is in everything. Like, so for example, your commute into the morning, oh, I think this road is going to be better. Or, um, this thing is always, you know, this, uh, mm. path is always, uh, um, a bad route. Or even like, what are you going to wear in the morning? Like people expect me to dress this way or something like that. There's like so many unconscious biases that you're dealing with every day. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing is that these biases are powerful shortcuts to functional reactions to mm-hmm. external stimuli. Mm-hmm. Like they're very useful. Because your your brain can only process um, what is it sixty bits of information per second? Yep. And like if you had to reprocess all of those things every time you made a choice, you would be stuck. You'd be dead. <laughs> You'd be definitely not. Imagine crossing the street. Yeah, like you have to reprocess everything. You, <laughs> you yeah, you you definitely like get into you would like fry your yeah you'd fry your circuits, I guess. So unconscious bias in a lot of ways makes us functional and keeps us safe mm-hmm. so uh, it can answer really quickly questions like is that thing with sharp teeth running towards me mm. what does your unconscious bias tell you it is moving let's get out of the way right right um am i suddenly in a dangerous part of town your unconscious bias will speak to you and say you're in a dangerous part of town mm-hmm. you need to make take steps to get yourself to safety mm-hmm. right unconscious bias though can also cause us to make judgments of people or situations that may just be in- incorrect. Yes, because we, we're not armed with all the facts, right? We're we're filling in the gaps in our knowledge. Yeah, you br- you bring unconscious bias when you're interviewing people. Yeah, that's a really mm. really great example. Mm. So let's say, for example, um, uh, just just bringing you know what you're saying into the conversation. Like you're in charge of of filling a role at your mm. work, and two candidates come in, um, and they are. On paper, the exact same. Mm-hmm. Same school, same grades, same work experience, but one is 24 years old and one's 70 years old. Yep. There's two unconscious bias there, which is like ages, like mm-hmm. ageism. And then an- another one that's prevalent is same thing. They come in, one is six foot two and the other is five foot four. Yeah. Or one's a man, one's a woman. Mm-hmm. One's fat, one's skinny. Yep. Unconscious bias is already There's there that you need to work against. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Generally, um, no one wants to think of themselves as a racist mm-hmm. or an ageist or a classist, you know, mm-hmm. the rich or poor or whatever, right? We like to think of ourselves generally as fair and open-minded people. That's how we like to feel good about ourselves. But the truth is you, we have these built-in unconscious biases that are, that are built into us from a very early, early age uh, based on our own observations, based on our cultural, um, you know, uh, teachings and mm-hmm. everything like that. So we need to do a lot of work to really unravel these unbiases from ourselves yeah. if we're to be that good interviewer that mm-hmm. you want to be. Mm-hmm. Because to fill your team, you don't want to fill it with just people that you like mm-hmm. or or that you just kind of like think um, are uh, higher caliber people with based on your bias, based on your biases without any real data. Yes. You want to have a, f- a fair and unbiased approach to judging their skills and mm-hmm. character. Mm-hmm. And um, so in order to do that, we have to f- make a few kind of kind of steps in the beginning. Um, we need to a- assume good intent when we're trying to unravel ourselves. We have okay. to look inside and we have to assume good intent. I-, I feel like I'm a good person. I have good intent. 
my unconscious biases may at times come out and make me judge, prejudge other people before I get to know them or before I understand the entire circumstance. Mm-hmm. But generally, I have good intent, mm-hmm. right? We have to admit that and kind of approach that, approach it that way. Um, we also have to admit that everybody has these, these unconscious biases. Yes. And we have to keep an open mind about what we learn as we dive into our own unconscious biases. Okay. And then step outside of yourself and be able to have empathy for other people and try to observe things through their eyes. Mm-hmm. Why do they do the things they do and be able to understand things and step outside your own biases. Mm-hmm. So once we have like that, th- that kind of mode set in our mind, we can really start to do the work of unraveling these unconscious biases. Right. Have I said the word unconscious biases enough? Um, ding. <laughs> let's, let's have a counter. Let's have a counter and like <laughs> pause the podcast. Ding. <laughs> so I want to tell you a little bit about the history of what we know about unconscious biases. Okay. Around in the 70s, uh, late 70s, early 80s, there was like a lot of um, talk about them in, in psychological circles. Okay. And people would, would uh, the, these like psychologists would test people right and, mm-hmm. they, and they would do those tests they would administer the test and they would they would most likely be in the form of a survey okay you know how do you feel about tall people very good less good not very good at all and, okay and like <laughs> and like and then over time they got socially to a point where everybody was getting perfect scores oh and they said great we've removed unconscious bias completely okay it's happened we we made it all we're, right we're, our culture is this you know I'm skeptical. Perfectly <laughs> non-judgmental, right? I'm skeptically continuing to listen. <laughs> yeah. So why are you? Why are you skeptical? Because I have unconscious biases. <laughs> because it exists. You can observe it in the real world. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, what happened was that people caught on to the fact that they were throwing themselves under the bus, <laughs> and they would say, "No, I'm not biased against." Um, s- short people, yeah, and they would do just mark it yes, even yeah. though that may not uh, be the exact truth. Yeah, so um, there were two um, uh, two professors. One was from Harvard, and one was from Michigan. And they started doing a different kind of test to test this thing. And uh, th- they, if you can imagine, I mean, close your eyes and imagine like a a screen or a PowerPoint presentation, right? And in the top left, they would put a, a word, a keyword, and in the top right would be a keyword. Let's say, for example, male or female. Okay. And then in the center, they would flash um, another keyword, and you would have to attribute that keyword as a value to one of the, the top two. Ooh, I like that. Right? So you would say long hair, female. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Is that a bias? It sure is. It is. And you have to, and, and they, would, they would flash a, a lot of interesting things. Um, and then they would do another test right after, and they would say they would remove male and female from the top corners and put uh, other keywords like family and career okay and they would say money career mm. uh children family you know mm. and you'd, you'd make the hit the two buttons right right and then they would mix the two together and they would say um female and family on the left okay male and career okay and you would say um and the, the, the keywords wouldn't be mixed they would be significant to one of the two okay so you would say um beards male and you, right. and you would go as fast as you can. You'd try to be as quick as you can. Right. And then they would take it and sw- do another test, administer the test a third time, and they would switch it and say, so this time it's female career yeah. on the left, male family on the right. Right. And they would do the same keywords. And this time they would, they would notice a significant drop in the swiftness in which people were able to answer. 
their minds would take longer. Yeah. They would hesitate more. Yeah. And this showed unconscious bias. Yeah. Because they would say, oh, family, wait, is that male or female? Is that career? Wait, what is that? Yeah. Where, where does money go? <laughs> Why is female next to career? Yeah. You know, and they would they would show these unconscious biases and, and they would do this with with um, black or white, good or bad. Right. They would do this with a lot of different kind of culturally significant things. But here's the thing. Does this mean that we're bad people? It, it doesn't mean that we're bad people. No. Right. In the beginning, we said that we start with the idea that we're in, intrinsically well-meaning. Right. Mm-hmm. We're not bad people. But we are not in control of society at large, and we're not influenced by what we watch on TV and the things that people say and, you know, uh, what we see happening in the world and what we're taught when we're young. We're not in control of all of that, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So these things kind of creep into us, and we can be overcome by these things. Mm-hmm. There's another interesting test that, that later on another, another uh, researcher did. After administering this test, which was um, black and white, good, bad, yeah. to all white males— the subjects were all white males. Okay. He would then say, okay, you're excused. Go into the waiting room. In the waiting room would be a white person and a black person. And um, next to each was a, an empty seat. So there's two empty seats. <laughs> one is next to a white person. One is next to a black person. There's only two empty seats. There's only two empty okay. seats. Okay. Okay. If the subject, and, and they, they, they found out empirically that if the subject looked and paused, even for a second, they were able to predict with a high likelihood of, of where, what seat that they would choose. If they paused, what do you think they chose? And these are all white male? All white males. They go in there, they see their options, they slightly pause. What do you think will be the outcome? Sit with the black person. Yeah, that's true. Why do you think that is? Um, because... They were done with a test. Mm-hmm. That they had just good. been influenced by their... They're made aware of their biases. They're made aware of their biases. And when they walk in, they have another instant split decision to make. And then they pause. And then they're like, I wanted to go sit by the white person. Mm-hmm. And they were like, I am a good person. I'm going to go sit next to the black person. Right. Right. Yeah. Now, this is interesting because it shows that, yes, we definitely have these biases, but also... Becoming aware of them will help us to overcome them. Mm-hmm. These these people, even though they do have the biases, had the willpower and the strength to to recognize it and say, "I can do something about this. Mm-hmm. I can make myself uncomfortable enough to overcome the thing that I don't like about myself." Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So unco- unconscious biases, yes, we all have them, but also becoming aware of them enables us to do something about it. Mm-hmm. And so what I want to talk about for the rest of this podcast, we're already at 20 minutes, but this is a really important thing to me. I, I, and then I'm like realized, right? Because yeah. I, I took this test with the right and left. Yeah. And I was like shocked. Yeah. I, it's, it's embarrassing. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and, and I'm thinking, hey, I'm Californian. Yeah. Like I'm like, you know, super out here, like amongst everybody, <laughs> so much diversity, so much like this kind of messaging all the time. Yeah. But yet I have, I still carry on all these biases. Yeah. At my, at my work, they have unconscious bias trainings. Do they? They do. Oh, great. <laughs> That's a very, very <laughs> cool thing. Yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> let's take the, uh, take the situation that you mentioned earlier about interviewing. Okay. How can we, uh, and I have a, uh, have a four or five points here of, mm-hmm. of how can, how we can, Use the idea of recognizing our unconscious biases mm-hmm. and being able to unwind them okay. and be better interviewers. 
Okay. I'm just going to kind of, because we are rushing up on the clock here. I want to kind of run through these with you. Okay. But they're so very important, so I want to make sure that we get them all covered. Okay. Uh, Do you have something to say? Y- yeah, I have, a, I have a theory. Okay. Um, one, as soon as you walk in, um, be prepared with, like, do your homework on who you're interviewing. Okay. Right? Yeah. Because a lot of the time when you're interviewing and you're the interviewee, you know, we, we, I've, I've, uh, I, we've podcasted about this on how to, how to get a job and keep it. Mm-hmm. And part of it is interviewing. Yeah. Right? And one of the tips I said is assume that they're so busy that they only took 30 seconds to, yeah. to prepare. Mm-hmm. Don't be that guy or that girl. It, you're saying if you're going to be the interviewer, don't be that one. Don't no, take 10 to 15 minutes. Yeah. And research who you're, yeah. who you're, who you're about to interview. Cyberstalk right? them. Come on. They Come deserve on. it. They deserve, yeah. They're coming here. You're going to work with them. Yeah. You got to know more. You should, you should get up in their <laughs> business. Yeah. <laughs> and then when you, when you get in, you'll say hi, et cetera. And you'll have your own unconscious biases that you should start being, making yourself aware of. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. Like know, know that you have them and accept them. That's right. Right. Yeah. And so what I want to talk about it are these five points here and, and some of them cross over with what you were just saying. So mm-hmm. you're very much on point, but, um, these kind of address like the cultural, the culture that you're okay. working in currently and try to help it generally to become better at, uh, understanding, accepting, removing biases. And in the use case of interviewing, it'll, it'll help that. Okay. So for example, when you want to build into your structure, the criteria of making decisions, mm. Right. So in the case of interviewing, you have two people coming in and, you know, sometimes if you're in a good interview, you're kind of like have this flow, right? Mm -hmm. There's relationship, but that's actually not conducive to being unbiased. Correct. Right. So what you want to do is decide beforehand the criteria, even the questions themselves that Mm -hmm. you're going to ask. Mm -hmm. Define success before the process even begins Mm -hmm. and apply that same criteria, in this case, those same questions, those same interview questions to every candidate equally. Mm -hmm. Right. Don't stray from your script because you're going to allow unconscious bias to get in there. You're going to like, oh, you have kids. I have kids, too. Yeah. All of a sudden. Oh, you live in you live in Redwood City? Uh-huh. I live there too. You went to Stanford? I did too. Yeah. Like all these things come in that are not a part of the, the job requirement. Mm-hmm. And they're going to bias you one way or the other. What I tend to do is define core competencies before we interview candidates for the specific role. Yeah. Such that when you are interviewing, you interview in this format, you you, you talk about a problem, mm-hmm. what actions did they take, what were the results, mm-hmm. what did they learn, and mm-hmm. how have they applied it thereafter. And while you're asking that question in order, right, you're going through the problem, actions, results, what you learned, and how you applied it, you're able to extract two or three of the core competencies that you're targeting. Yeah. And if they, if they unveil themselves, you get to see to what extent they unveil themselves, and then you can measure how strong that core competency is in your interview candidate. Yeah, I'm, I'm, that's exactly right. And I'm kind of thinking of it in a more illustrative way as, you know, imagine yourself as a scientist. Okay. If you're trying to determine if, um, you know, this cure for cancer is the right one, you're going to have two control groups. You are. And you're going to give them the same the same questions on the questionnaires. Mm-hmm. You're going to give them the same treatment, except for one is going to have the placebo and mm-hmm. one's going to have your thing, but you're going to treat them the exact same and see if they react differently. Mm-hmm. 
And that's that's, like that. that's the exact same mode that you're going to have here. So let's move on. That's number one is that you kind of um, you you build into the structure the criteria of making decisions, making the the, the criteria of success equal across okay. the board. All right. Right? There you go. That's how you remove the bias from the questions of, of your interview. Second one is collecting the data. It's important to know yourself in the situation and always to be sure to question your first impressions. Mm-hmm. So if somebody walks in, they have nice shoes. You're like, wait, okay, what does that mean to me? Let, mm. Let's just leave that at the door. Somebody comes in with beat up shoes. What does that mean? Leave that right, at the door. Right. That's not a part of the job. Right. Right. One, one good way to overcome that when you're collecting data is to ask other people for feedback. You'll have this interesting situation when you listen to like a podcast, for example. Okay. And I listen to the same podcast. We have a conversation. We'll maybe talk about different points. Mm-hmm. So if I'm trying to convey something to you or even extract information in an interview setting from you, it's important for me to make sure that we're talking about the exact same point and the same message is being conveyed between the two people. And this is more of a, of communication skill. Mm-hmm. But, but if you tell me uh, a fact about yourself, okay, it would be well if I would have the skill to repeat the, the exact same thing back to you and say, is that what you meant? Mm-hmm. You said, yeah, it is. And that way you, you know that you're, you're not the, – the information that you gathered, the data that you collected from them is not colored by your bias. Correct. And it can go the other way as well. So if you tell me something, I can say, oh, did you blah, 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 blah. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. And making sure that that communication is not biased. Mm-hmm. I like that. Okay. Number three. Let's move on because we're going to we're gonna yeah. get this done. We're trying to get it under. No, never mind. Forget it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Number three is evaluate your surroundings and change what is not working. This is kind of like the process of, of the cultural change inside to remove the bias. But um, here's, here's an interesting thing about how your environment can really influence uh, the bias. So, so there was this study. Um, they were uh, in, in a university. They were... Um, recruiting people for a, a computer science program, mm-hmm. uh, and they decorated the the room where they would do the interviews uh, in such a way that it would be like kind of nerdy, kind of computery. They had science fiction posters on the wall. There was like Legos on the table, and okay. like maybe like a soda can. Just kind of like I don't know, like male skewed, kind of mm-hmm. kind of messy a little bit, a little cool. Okay, and. Um, and they, they interviewed male and female candidates. Mm. And uh, it's not surprising, but most of the people who, like, were excited and, 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 and energized by the prospect of, of working and studying in this mm-hmm. place mm-hmm. were all male. Okay. Now, they did the same study. And this time, they, they, they cleaned up the room. <laughs> and they, they put art on the wall and, and posters. And they had water bottles instead of soda. Okay. And... Um, they found that the amount of females that were interested in the program significantly increased. Okay. Okay. So the the thing that we want to learn from this study is that we can make our spaces more inclusive. Yeah. So, for example, uh, at my last job, I had, like, Lego Star Wars all over my table and mm-hmm. all these stickers on my computer. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm not saying I won't do that at my new job. Correct. But what does it say about me? Mm-hmm. And what does it say about what I expect from other people? Mm-hmm. Do I expect them to understand sci-fi culture? Mm. Do I expect them to like get, if I'm cool, like, do you like Ghostbusters? Cause I like Ghostbusters. You know, <laughs> right, like, right. like it, do I put up that wall mm. around who I am when people come over to ask me a question? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So our, our spaces definitely influence 
what biases we portray mm-hmm. and also perceive in others. Like, go if, if I go over to your space, mm. you know. That, that explains uh, more of the – I've mentioned this in the podcast before that when you're branding anything and you're branding yourself, every interaction is a brand interaction. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And so when I'm interacting with your space, that is a brand interaction with Travis Nielsen. Yeah. It's an interesting slant on it to actually start considering your biases that you bring to the table. Yes. So my brand is, yeah, I'm cool. I like Star Wars. Right. But do you? Do you? Have do you? you? Do you think that people <laughs> like Star Wars are idiots? <laughs> yeah. Am I going to get the job? Yeah. Am I going to impress you with my work? Right. Like, like I may give you, if I'm a designer, I may mock up the most beautiful application. The, the user experience is just flawless. Right. But when you come over to my desk, it's messy with Star Wars toys and you yourself, you're more of a Lord of the Rings guy. Come on now. <laughs> I'm just saying hypothetically. <laughs> and you know what I mean? Like we have these like we have these biases. Yeah, yeah. I know you're more into Twilight, not well, Lord y- of the Rings. You know. <laughs> Jacob. <laughs> Jacob. <laughs> you're so sparkly and light. <laughs> uh, that's Edward, by the way. Um. Uh. <laughs> okay. Um so be mindful of the subtle cues that you give off. And another interesting thing is that when you're in conversations, you can use those cues to endorse people. Okay. And so like if somebody has an idea, you could say something like, that's a great idea. Mm-hmm. We should pursue it. Mm-hmm. Instead of like being like, well, my idea is the best one, obviously, because I, yeah, this is my bias. Yeah. You know, over being aware of the bias again and overcoming it, it, it leads to a greater solution for mm-hmm. all. Okay. I, I like that. It's a clear, com, com, clear communication. Then, like, okay, cool. Yeah, I like that. Right. It's a great idea. Let's pursue it. Yeah. Oh man, it's beautiful. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> that's a great idea. Yeah. Let's pursue it. Let's pursue it. <laughs> <laughs> Number four is hold yourself accountable. And this is interesting. You know, going back to that story about the the, the white males that went into the room with in the reception room. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a good idea to pause before you make a decision. Mm-hmm and rethink what are my biases telling me and are they right or wrong Mm -hmm. and being aware of them you know not just using your default being able to justify your decisions is going to help you to say logically and you know without those biases what is the right decision here Mm -hmm. so number four is just hold your hold yourself accountable Uh, and yeah i like that if you've ever heard the advice hey think before you speak yeah that's what they're trying to say yeah Think, hold yourself accountable. Yeah. Yeah. And the second one is like unto it, or sorry, the number five actually, is hold others accountable. Mm. So if somebody says something that's just like not true or like obviously racist yeah. or, or whatever the case, like maybe yeah. it's not like so blatantly racist, but it's just like based in, you know, kind of some uh, some bias. Yes, bias. That's right. Then like you can you can say, look, I think that what you're saying is, is based off of a, of a Unconscious, bi- bias. unconscious yeah. bias, and yeah. and in uh, I think that we can do better than that. Yeah, I think that's perfectly legit. I think it's legit. It's not confrontational. It's when your goal is to make the best experience. Mm-hmm. It's your job to hold others accountable. It is, mm-hmm. and so you can make them justify their decisions. Like, why do you feel that way? Mm-hmm. Is it because you know and. Right. And yeah. Okay. And this is really important when you're making decisions as a group, mm-hmm. of course. It mm-hmm. impacts everybody. So you don't want to let one person's unconscious bias color the whole group's decisions. And, you know, it actually makes a stronger group when you can call each other out and be comfortable with that thing. Yes. And, and everybody's like, you know what, I think, let me rethink that because maybe you're right. Mm-hmm. 
So um, through these things, we can take real steps of correcting uh, incorrect biases in ourselves, our behaviors, and our teams and our communities. And I think that overall we can make greater steps towards what is actually right and true. Love that. Great delivery of the message. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. I really appreciate it. Well, yeah, this was a little bit of a longer episode because I, I felt like really strongly about what I've been learning at Google. This yeah. is like a run. I just can't say enough about like how, yes, I've been really like, it's just been like a heavy uh-huh. information flow right in my face. Uh-huh. But also, like, it's just really opened my eyes to a lot. One part of the uh, bias training that we did is I had to do this test, right, of yeah. the, the right and left. Um, and 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 then I had to answer a questionnaire, like, how do I feel about my biases? Right. Like, do I think that they color my decision making? And, right. And I have to be honest with myself. And I'm like, okay, well, let's rethink that. And not to make myself feel bad about it, but to but to innate, give myself the space to correct incorrect mm-hmm. um ideas yep yep i like it a lot right man well thanks for letting me express it um and i think that through kind of like repeating and re kind of teaching what i've learned i've gotten a little bit more comfortable with the ideas themselves and Mm -hmm. i think that's that's i think if you're listening to this podcast i I think this is such a an important issue that maybe you should teach this to somebody that that's not heard it yet and Mm -hmm. and have a conversation with them about your biases and just be open and honest and and be you know trust them to not judge you and don't judge them and that's my recommendation for you, dear listener. And Los, if somebody wants to have this type of conversation with us after the show, how do they get in contact with us? Uh, send us a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> Pay me. Pay me. No. <laughs> you can uh, contact us on Twitter with our Twitter handle, at Trav and Los, and uh, we'll holla back at you. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> we also have a Facebook page that we're launching now. And All what we right. do on the Facebook page is we don't post our podcast. That's at travinlos.com. Mm-hmm. But if you go to facebook.com slash travinlos, you're going to see some special bonus videos. Oh, and so much bonus. So much special. You want to go to there. <laughs> <laughs> so check us out there. Leave a comment or like on a video, share it, what have you. And we will see you next week, uh, next Tuesday morning. Take care, everyone. Thank you.